Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash stokethewild. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Stoke the Wild. I am Joy. And I'm Nick. We are your hosts for this episode. I almost said evening, but I don't episode, know. Only this episode. On all well, other 25 I, episodes, it's someone else. <laughs> I said this because I was going to say for this evening, but then I realized I don't know what time you're listening to the podcast. So I had to change it, and so then I just said episode instead <laughs> for this time frame. For the only episode. For the time frame that you are listening to this episode, we are your hosts. Yes, well. This is a podcast, and we are hosting it. We are attempting to host it. <laughs> Every week, we attempt to host. It's turning into but the Purd Show. <laughs> the Purd Happily. Purd Happily from Parks and Rec. <laughs> But welcome. Thank you for listening. We have hit a milestone, our 26th episode. Yeah. Which is equivalent in most countries to six months. <laughs> what does that mean in most countries? It just means that we've, you know, six months. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so that's exciting. We've made it half a year. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, I mean, I knew you'd keep up with him, but I didn't know if I would. <laughs> well, you were going to leave me to just... <laughs> So you're like, yeah, I'll do this with you, but then I'm going to just leave you no, completely. No, I wasn't going to intentionally do that, but I was like, well, life gets busy, and like, we'll see how long. <laughs> I mean, technically, it's still early. It's only six months. Like six months is longer than I thought. You could still give up by year one. Oh, I'm not going to do that now. This is this is a weekly thing now. This is yeah yeah. Yeah, well, it, it's exciting for for me because for those of you who've been around since the beginning, or you've uh, when you've jumped on uh, the podcast, you know you've went back and you've listened to at least the first episode. It's one of those things that I talked about when we first started talking about fear and creativity. Is yeah. you know, sometimes you just gotta jump in you and learn along it. the way. And so we've really, really have used this as a sledgehammer to the walls of life because <laughs> this is. <laughs> This is my bat, like my battling ram. Battering ram. Ba no, battling. I'm battling <laughs> rams. I'm fighting rams, goats, sheep, livestock oh of God. all kinds. What is <laughs> happening right now? Uh, so uh, <laughs> my battering ram. This yeah. is the battering ram to my fear of doing something creative. Yes. And uh, it's been great and funny and weird. And we've had some amazing guests on the show. We have. We've got some more lined up in the future that we're hoping to have on the show as well. And mm -hmm. um, But it's also just been fun to be able to sit down and talk about things we have going on creatively, creative, creatively? Yep, that's creatively it. in our lives <laughs> right now. Man, I am all over <laughs> the no words come we're, out correctly. We're feeling weird. Feeling weird. Yeah. That's the tagline now. Stokes Wild feeling weird. Feeling weird. It stoked the wild. Uh, more like toke the wild feeling weird. <laughs> That's what it'd be. <laughs> toke the wild? Yeah. Why? Like toke. Like you. <laughs> I don't know what that is. What? Like on a. <laughs> I just made the universal symbol for smoking something. Uh, anyway. See, and you were making fun of me for messing up a battling ram. I didn't know that word. I'm sorry. Um. Anyways. Okay. Anyways, welcome to the first five minutes of this episode. Uh. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's six months, which is pretty wild. And uh, what's what's funny and uh, ironic and super coincidental is that there's another six month anniversary happening this week as well. And that is for our friends and family over at Two Mile Coffee Bar yeah. in Beverly, Chicago. That's right. 
they opened uh, right around that same time that we started our podcast, which is yeah. um, which is crazy. Because so initially they were supposed to open, uh, I, I believe it was in January, and then they had just some delays with some of their uh, some of like the permits and things like that, yeah. and just the way the metro works uh, because they're located in a metro station. And so they ended up having to push it back, and they opened it towards the end of April. And um, so they they're celebrating six months to this uh, this weekend. Yeah. And uh, we're celebrating six months of the podcast, and mm-hmm. so it's kind of cool. And what's really exciting, for those of you who are in the Chicagoland area, if you come on out to Two Mile Coffee Bar this Saturday on October 26th. 6th, thank you. On October 26th from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Those are our hours for being open. Uh, there's going to be live music. There's going to be delicious coffee. It's so delicious. There's going to be limited edition two-mile T-shirts. There's going Mm -hmm. to be uh, limited edition coffee art that I've painted, uh, as well as some of my other artwork there as well. And I'm going to be making drinks uh, at the bar. It's going to be pretty great, and I'm pretty excited about it. It's going to be pretty fun. And so you should come celebrate with us, with Patrick, with Greta, who were on the show uh, about a month ago, as well as... Um, Greta's brother Nate and his wife Sonia who also co-own the shop and the rest of us employees like we're super excited about it it's going to be so much fun Mm -hmm. be there yeah that's my little plug for that now you recently started getting artistic in your work at the coffee shop yeah I have you have so two weeks ago I got my first kind of uh time not just like sitting there punching in orders at the um at the register, yeah. but having a chance to like learn the machines and pull shots and steam milk and then start making drinks and learning recipes and things like that. Mm-hmm. And if you've never been a barista, never been behind the counter for a, at a coffee bar or at a coffee shop, and or maybe you've only done like, oh yeah, I've you know can push a button and get black coffee. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of intimidating when you think about all the different steps and things you have to do to put together a latte. Uh, yeah. remember recipes, things like that. Yeah. I was always like, I don't know if I can ever do that. Mm. And just in the two weeks that I've been slowly learning my way around that stuff uh, specifically, I've been there for a little while longer than that, but just at the register. So for the two weeks that I've been learning the the drinks and the recipes and all that, mm-hmm. it's been terrifyingly fun. Like, cause, <laughs> you know, because you're like, oh, am I doing this right? You know, and mm-hmm. looking over at people like Greta or Sarah and, and others who are, you know, helping me make sure that I, I've got like the milk right and things like that and just slowly getting better and better. And so this past Saturday, yeah, uh, I did most of the drink making, which was really fun, mm-hmm. got into a good rhythm and I started practicing my latte art. So at the end of the pour, um, you know, you, you can sometimes see really cool like hearts and flowers or ferns and leaves and things like that in there made with the milk and all that stuff and Mm -hmm. that doesn't just happen no and it doesn't doesn't happen easily and uh so i've been practicing that and getting better at it and i had a couple of good hearts this week which was really cool yeah and so it's been fun yeah i think my favorite latte art which yours were super cool um i was like oh my gosh she's already doing it which i i kind of thought that latte art would take longer for me? No, like for people in general. I, I don't thought, think like, you're good enough for that latte <laughs> art. You'll never get it. No, it's not what I meant. I meant like just for people in general. I expected that to be something that um, took a while, I guess. Well, from what I understand, uh, f- both from Greta and then she sent me some videos to watch just so that way I can kind of uh, like hear it from other people, like the different ways. Because it's all based on like steaming the milk. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a there is like obviously a process to it, but some of it is based on feel and like sound and hearing, like how it uh, foams and takes the air and then the heat and all that stuff. And you can kind of mm-hmm. play with that a little bit. It's not just like you know you push a button and walk away and it does what it does. You kind of got to mess right. with it a little bit. Right. And so from watching those videos and and talking to her and practicing all that stuff, that's the hardest part is getting the oh, milk. Really? Is getting the milk the right consistency, getting it steamed properly, foamed properly, all that stuff. Mm. So that way it pours the way it's supposed to. You can't, you couldn't just do the same latte art without the milk being done properly. Oh, okay. So the art 
well, it still is difficult. Like there is technique to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have the milk the right way, mm-hmm. then you're not going to be able to do the art from what I understand. Okay. So I have a question about that. Sure. Um, so when you do steam the milk, like for a latte or something like that, there's foam on top mm-hmm. of, you know, the drink when you're done making it. But there is still the design in there. So when you're pouring, uh, do you start out pouring like just the milk? I've seen some people do like this spoon situation where they hold the foam back and they put the milk in and then they like let the foam go in. Or do you just like pour and you just do it? So what I do is that you only want, again, this is uh, two weeks, Joy, two weeks. <laughs> okay, but I've never gotten to sit down with someone. Yeah, and so two weeks. So I, if there's anyone out there like Greta who yeah. will listen to this and text me about it later, uh, you can <laughs> tell me how wrong I am if I'm not getting this right now. Uh, but the, like you don't want a lot of foam. You want the you want the consistency and the texture of the milk to look almost like paint, like glossy, and that mm-hmm. tells you that there's enough foam to it, mm-hmm. but it's not so foamy that then you have that big like iceberg on top kind of idea. Right, which I don't want the iceberg on top, so, but I do like some foam. I think it's nice. Right. So if it's done properly, you're still going to get that foam te- texture. Yeah. Like at the top when you're done with it. Sure. But it's going to be just enough to have that layer and give you what you need for your design. But oh, it's not going to okay. be so foamy okay. that then it's like bubbles. Sure. That makes sense. That's interesting. So now I am. Um, you want to try it, don't you? I wanna, yeah, I want to learn it. So, but this is why I've always been fascinated by like designs in foods and drinks and things like that by art in that. I think it's beautiful. And I've always thought, wow, that's so cool. Like, Cookie decorating, cake decorating, um, all of the decorating things. Mm-hmm. Or like um, uh, plating food. Like all of those things, it can be really, really beautiful. Right. Um, so I think that would be fun to try, fun to learn. So let's go ahead and get an espresso machine yeah, okay. <laughs> and a milk steamer. Yeah. That would be fine. Uh, I, I, I would love to know who that first person was who was like, you know, making what became the latte or the cappuccino or whatever and was like, oh, this is different. Mm. Oh, look, it looks like a heart. I wonder if I could make something out of this, you know, <laughs> yeah. and what that process was. That'd be really interesting to to know what they what they thought of, like for all of that. That would be super cool. Um and, like, I love the, the fern looking where it looks like a fern in mm-hmm. the latte art. And I like, I also like the ones where it's, like, a heart, but it also has, like, the sort of half-circle things that are coming up from underneath of it. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like a succulent to me. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. those. Those are super pretty. Yeah, I, you know, as I continue to get better, I definitely want to try some new things and mess around with how I can create more designs. And there's plenty of YouTube videos to figure that out, which is pretty cool. I just found out when latte art was developed. When? In the 1980s and 1990s in Seattle. And that's not that far away. That's not that no, long ago. No, and it's also not that surprising that it happened in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, it was popularized by a guy. Oh, I just lost his name. Where'd it go? Oh, David Schomer. Who's that? Thanks, David. Who's David Schomer? He's the co-founder of Espresso Vivace. Thank you, David. Appreciate you. <laughs> because i know you're listening and i wanted to make sure Mm -hmm. that you know how much i appreciate you yes so um but that's been that's been fun to learn and it's i'm I'm excited to to know more so uh one of the other things though that's been happening this week like in terms of learning new things which has been really fun is i've been showing my two oldest kids how to longboard oh yeah and they've been loving it and i was never great at skateboarding or longboarding, I could barely keep my balance, but I have a just good enough idea of where my feet and body are supposed to be <laughs> to like stay mostly upright, and yeah. then also to teach them. And because they're so small and uh, it's like an adult-sized longboard, it's like perfect for them to learn on because there's more space for them to mess with it. Oh. And, uh, and they've been doing really great. They've been having a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. uh, it's been really cool to like watch them try to be 
goofy and weird on it and yeah things that I would never try because I'm like I'm gonna die on here because yeah. I was always like super nervous about about boarding but yeah they're uh, they're doing really great with that that's cool they uh, have asked me to help them longboard and I laughed and laughed and laughed what's a toke so uh, <laughs> don't. One, uh, one last thing, though, before we jump into some of the topic stuff for this week and uh, you kind of give us uh, some of your thoughts on what happened at your conference last week. Yeah. Uh, this is Inktober week three that we just wrapped up. Mm-hmm. We're almost to the finish line. If you've been participating in Inktober or some sort of creative journey this month, doing something every day, mm-hmm. uh, at, at the time of this recording, it's October 20th. Um, and so there's only 11 days left. And so you're so close to finishing and being at the end of the month. I just want to encourage you to keep going strong and to just whatever it is. It can be super small, super simple. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be fancy or terribly amazing. It's just about doing something every day. Yeah. Keep up the good work and press on. 11 days left. You can do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right, everybody. It's time for an ad. We have something very special for you right now. As listeners of Stoke the Wild podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Now, I love Audible. One of the best things about it is the fact that I can take a book that I've been wanting to read and get a chance to listen to it uh, while I'm driving. When I go up to the coffee shop, when I'm at Two Mile, it's a, you know, for me, it's about an hour that I'm in the car, and it's a great opportunity to listen to some of my favorite favorite books um, and stories and to just stay up to date on that when I don't always have time to sit down and read. So it's been fantastic to check that out. And a few weeks ago, you may have seen that I posted on my Instagram page um, about the book Save the Cat, the last book on screenwriting you'll ever need by Blake Snyder. And this book is available as an audiobook, um, and you can get that through the Audible website, through the trial that we have for you. And it's a great book because I've been going through it and listening. It's been fantastic to hear Blake's ideas uh, when it comes to crafting a narrative and trying to figure out what you need to be able to put together uh, a story, specifically a screenplay or uh, a script that is worth telling. Having that information right there at your ear tips is beautiful, and I love it. And it's so great to be able to know what is happening, what's going on, and it, it picks up right where you left off, and it's so so good. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash stoke the wild. That's audibletrial.com slash stoke the wild for your free audiobook. Now back to the show. So this past week, you were at the Parents' Teachers Conference in St. Louis, Missouri. Yes, I was. Tell me a little bit more about that. Okay. Well, um, I'm sure that our listeners know by now that I work for a program called Jumpstart. Now, Jumpstart is just our organization's name for the work that we do in early childhood development. Um, It's a home visiting based program. And we are a blue ribbon affiliate of parents as teachers. And so we were at the PAC conference with a bunch of other organizations by different names who also are affiliates of parents as teachers, meaning we use their curriculum. So everybody kind of has their own name for their own organization. But we were there for parents as teachers. Um, So, yeah, so we were in St. Louis. We were in St. Louis because it was the 35th anniversary of parents as teachers. It was founded in St. Louis 35 years ago in 1984 by a woman named Mildred Winter. And she got some other educators involved as well. Mildred Winter was, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to talk about the conference, actually. So... It was a great conference. It was in St. Louis. We're celebrating our 35th anniversary with parents as teachers. Um, and there were some really incredible speaker, speakers there. I um, I was really hoping to be encouraged to learn some new things about parent educating, which is we call ourselves parent educators, um, or home visiting. I was really excited to get some new resources, too. I know that there is an abundance of information out there that I have yet to learn uh, regarding resources that we can provide our families. Some of them are federal. Some of them might be local to um, that particular organization's area. Like there was a, a group from Hawaii. They're called In Peace. And they talked about reaching out to 
other services and organizations in their area and how they network with them and make that work. Right. So it was really great because it was um, this notion of, well, we might not have the exact same thing. We might not have the same services or the same resources in our area, but we could try. Right. We could try to develop something like that, and it might work out really well. Well, it's just like anything, whether it's a conference or a convention or even just reading books, like things mm-hmm. that you pick up from other people that inspire or, um, like you said, encourage you to maybe try something else or to be like, oh, that's an interesting idea. I never thought about it this way, so I'm going to do X, Y, and Z about it and see right. what happens. Right. And I think that that's, that, for me, was one of the most exciting parts of the conference yeah. was hearing from different people who do things in different ways, how they do their job creatively. And we all have certain standards that we have to meet, sure, requirements sure. that we have to you know do, but we all sort of have our own spin on home visiting, our own spin on being a parent educator, and we all sort of approach the job differently. We all have a different creative way of looking at it, and that was really helpful for me to hear from so many different viewpoints of like right. why this is important, what we're even trying to accomplish, and, um, and how we can work together to make that possible. I got so many phone numbers and email addresses while I was there from other affiliates who said, yeah, we want to talk more about what you guys are doing. And do you want to talk more about what we're doing so that we can, you know, spark new ideas in each other and encourage each other and get creative with our home visiting. Why would we just keep it the same? Right. Because that breeds dullness and it makes it, devoid of helpfulness right and it, it, while while it may work well sometimes that stagnation beca- it makes it harder to do the work even if that work is mm-hmm. good it makes it harder to do that good work um, Absolutely. and so having those people to even just encourage you through what you may do mm-hmm. on a regular basis is great but to make it even better by bouncing ideas off each other Yes. Sounds like a win-win. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right about um, home visiting. I I don't know that I want to say that it gets dull because there is never a dull moment in being a parent educator. It gets crazy. There's always challenges. There's always crises, things to handle. But just like anything else, even the crises can Mm -hmm. sometimes feel rhythmic when you are like, oh, I've I've done enough of these crisis moments Mm -hmm. with people that there is a rhythm to it, even yeah. if it's stressful, even if it's emotionally high, intense. Right, right. There's a rhythm to it that you end up becoming familiar with, right? Absolutely. And there is, it, it, I do think it's really great to be confident in your work and to say, I've handled this kind of thing before and I think I can do it again. Sure. But at the same time, it is very important not to get stuck in this. Well, I know what to do. I know what to do. No. And right, never no. reach out. Or be challenged or encouraged in what you're doing because maybe somebody has a better idea. Yeah. And you could talk to them about implementing that at your site and being more creative in the way that you serve families. Now, you've mentioned before on the show about starting a Jumpstart podcast. Yes. And uh, with some of these people that you've talked with and met this past week, were you able to secure some of that information to see if they'd be on the Jumpstart podcast for you? Yeah. um, I spoke to two different presenters who were interested in being on the podcast, and they gave me their contact info. There was no time to record while I was there. I vastly underestimated how busy (laughs) we were going to be. Um, so even though I brought all my recording equipment, it would have been absolutely impossible. So I got their contact info. I'll be in touch with them. I actually already emailed, um, those two presenters and I'm waiting to hear back. I would imagine because they're actual employees of parents as teachers, not an affiliate, uh, that they're probably pretty wiped out. Yeah. Oh yeah. They had a lot going on. Well, when you think of the conferences we've been to for things in the past, or if, uh, you know, for you listeners, if you've ever been to a conference or a convention of any kind, you can sometimes have that like overload feeling, uh, information. Absolutely. Which may all be good. Yeah, it's great. 
but, but you're exhausted by the yeah. end of it. Yeah, and especially if you're part of the team that is hosting the conference. Yeah, hosting or presenting Which or is, anything else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they were they were not just presenters, but they were actually hosting the conference as well. Yeah, which I'm sure is just a massive undertaking. There were 1,600 mm-hmm. people there, um, which is wild. It's crazy. So, I'm sure that they are very very tired, and I wouldn't blame them at all if they took a few days off. <laughs> So I might not hear from them right away, and that's okay. Now, you're talking about this idea of sparking creativity in the work that you do Mm -hmm. and coming up with new ideas and plans. And so um, I want to go back to the founder, Mm -hmm. Francis Teachers, Mildred Winter. Yes. And uh, can you you tell us a little bit about her story? Yeah. Well, um, so Mildred Winter was a teacher um, in an elementary school. And originally, it didn't look likely that she would get the job as an elementary teacher. This was in what oh, year? Oh, gosh. Um, I think this was in the 40s. Yeah, it was, it was a while ago, if it I remember Yeah, it was correctly. quite some time ago. So Mildred Winter, I think it was in the 40s. And um, she... <laughs> so I... I should preface this by saying I had never heard of Mildred Winter before the conference. I learned all of these things about her at there. the conference. Yeah, I didn't know anything about her prior to this. I'm gonna while you're while you're uh, talking. Are you gonna, gonna fact gonna, check me? Are not, you gonna not the whole thing? I'm just political curious. fact check. I'm just curious about that <laughs> uh, about that time. I'm, I'm almost positive it was the 40s. Um, so Mildred wanted to become a teacher. She had. Her degree, she, you know, there was nothing keeping her from being a teacher except for the fact that she was married. And at that time... Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. So at that time, a woman couldn't become a teacher if she was married because the school districts wanted their teachers to be, like, completely devoted and available to the schools. It says, uh, according to this article here, mm-hmm. uh, she married Willard Winter. In mm-hmm. January of 1943, and in 1945, suspended her teaching career to be a full-time mother. She returned to the classroom in 1963 yeah. as a kindergarten teacher. Okay, so that's what it is. So um, she was a teacher, and then when she went back, they were like, oh, you're a wife and a mom? Mm, we don't want you. Um, initially, and, anyway. Initially. Right? So she somehow secured an interview, though. I believe it was with... I don't remember if it was with a principal or a superintendent, but she sat down and, and they talked about like, you know, her, she, she brought up her children and how she, she's like, I haven't just been doing nothing. Like, you know, there, there is still, but especially then was this misconception that moms just like hung out, I guess, but they're like, they didn't do anything. Um, and so she expressed to this uh, administrative this administrator, like I take my kids to the playground and I teach them there, like in the summers because school had like a different rhythm than it does now. Sure. Uh, so there was really long summers. So she would, uh, take her kids to the playground and she would just keep teaching them because she was a teacher. So she would just keep teaching them at the playground. And the administrator said, normally I wouldn't consider you, but if anyone can hand, if a person can handle, summers on the playgrounds in St. Louis with while teaching children, you can handle a classroom of, you know, like third graders or second graders or whatever. You can handle a classroom of elementary school kids. So you got the job. That was sort of the, the, the deal, I guess. But the fact that she didn't just take no for an answer, Mm -hmm. you know, she didn't just say, well, I'm married and I have kids now and I know that's a deal breaker, so I'm not even going to try. Well, she didn't She didn't care. She was like, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to get an interview. I'm going to plead my case. I'm going to show you why I deserve this job. Yeah. And it was huge. So she started working as a teacher again. And she and some other teachers noticed um, that kids were coming into kindergarten with various school readiness levels meaning some kids could read and write some kids had no letter recognition at all some kids socially were like you know just really uh, blended into everything and it was very 
easy for them. And for some kids, it was really difficult for them socially to be in yeah. this setting, to be away from their parents, to have a schedule, to have a routine every day. Some kids, um, you know, understood the give and take of that routine and some kids couldn't, you know, they did not cope with it well at all. So all of these kids are coming in. They all have different levels of readiness for school. And Mildred and these other teachers started asking, like, why are kids coming in? Because developmentally speaking, um, there, there was no reason, there were no delays, so to speak. Nothing um, that they were, like, genetically predisposed to be better or worse sure. at reading or writing or whatever. Sure. Um, for most of the kids. They just had differing levels and so they started asking questions like why are some kids coming in totally ready for this and other kids are not at all ready for kindergarten and what can we do about it and so they started with this concept that parents are the first and most important teachers in their children's lives and they decided that they would work together to form a curriculum that could be implemented through home visiting, through programs that families could voluntarily participate in. You know, nothing where like you're in trouble because your kid isn't ready for kindergarten, mm -hmm. but just this, hey, um, you want to help your kid be ready for school. We want to help you support your child. We want to help you and partner with you as you get your kid ready, mm -hmm. as you teach them, and as they learn about the world around them. And we want to help you develop a stronger bond and attachment with your child so that when they enter school, they come home and they tell you about their day and they know that you're a safe person to come home to. So it was this revolutionary idea, and it was actually right around the time that, um, I think it was right around the time that Mr. Rogers was getting started, wasn't it? Oh, actually, he started in 69, I think, or 70, something like that. So, well, it says but here, it's the same concept. It says here in, uh, in her information, in her program here, it says in 1972, she was named the first director of early childhood education for the state of Missouri. Yes. In this role, she led a research project that eventually led to the establishment of parents as teachers. Mm -hmm. um, it being 35 years old, that was... 84. 84. Yeah. Because I'm not good at math. So, but that, <laughs> so yeah. So, 1984. So, there was almost another 14 years or so after that. Uh, yeah. 12, 12 to 14 years after that, from the time she started the research. Yes. Before the program even started. But even more so from there, uh, it says that because Mildred pioneered the concept of guided home-based learning from birth and led research that proved early education accelerates learning throughout the school years, PAT, the Parents' Teachers Program, jumpstarts kids' education in all 50 states of the U.S. and seven foreign countries. Mm -hmm. Like it grew yeah. from just being this thing in St. Louis, in Missouri, mm -hmm. to this worldwide program that helps people, helps specifically, you know, early education families. In, yeah. in families and children to prep them for school and for life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that is so amazing about it. So that when she first got started, in, um, I, I think in the research study portion of it, uh, people told her, this is never going to work. You're, you're thinking too big. You can't solve this problem. You can't, you can't do it. And I'm sure it didn't help that she was a, a woman. Exactly. They were like, so what, no do you, what do you know? Right. Like, you're the worst. <laughs> and... <laughs> And she was, she just got the people together that, that, you know, that believed in this project and that were equipped to handle this project. And not surprisingly, a lot of them were women. Mm -hmm. And they all just said, yeah, let's do this. Let's gather this information. Let's develop a program. Let's, let's figure this out. Let's do it. So she got funding from um, the Missouri Board of Education when she started the program. And, uh, and it just, it grew. I mean, in 35 years, when I think about it beginning just as a local thing, that, that was just a St. Louis thing and it broadening to the extent that it's in all 50 States and also in foreign countries in 35 years, that's enormous. Yeah. The influence is huge. That's, that's just unheard of. Um, and most of these organizations are small. 
they are little grassroots orgs that just that have 10 to 12 people working yeah w- not even that's big yeah that's that's big for an organization most of them have like four to six but um, they're they're working meeting with multiple families that's from, right and trying to do yeah. their best to hit these requirements and these 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 needs for these children to prep them for what's coming up Exactly. And I think that one of the most staggering things recently that was shown in a domestic violence study was that home visiting reduces the risk of domestic violence by 22%. Really? If a family that already has risk factors and challenges that would um, make them more vulnerable to domestic violence participates in a home visiting program, their risk of domestic violence in the home decreases by 22%. That's wild. And so there, it, it helps in development. It helps in uh, family well-being, in mental health, in the violence prevention. I mean, abuse and neglect prevention, all of these things, that's monumental just by someone coming and and doing this work with them twice a month. Now, I know it sounds like, you know, for something like this, this might feel like a, a bit of a disconnect from the normal quote-unquote creative conversation. Mm-hmm. But the idea behind this, everybody, is that you had someone who was constantly told no mm. through most of her life um, in terms of doing some of these different things. Mm-hmm. But she saw a need and she got creative and she did the hard work and she pressed on and she did what she wanted to do with it yeah, uh, to see it succeed. And, yeah. now, it, and now it has, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously there's always more work to be done. Absolutely. Uh, but it has succeeded well enough to see it spread across, you know, the country and in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think as creatives, even as... You know, we look at Mildred's life and we look at the things that Joy, you know, learned this week. Mm-hmm. That's something I think that we need to kind of consider that there's going to be times where we're, we're doing a project or we have this idea, this spark, this notion that there is something to be done. Mm-hmm. And there will be people that will tell us no, people that will tell us that we're not good enough, people that will tell us that this is not worth pursuing, that there is no value in it. Mm. And we have to press on. Absolutely. We have to be brave enough. We have to be strong enough. Mm-hmm. And we have to be ready to gather our rams and go mm-hmm. battling, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, uh, no, to, but to, to tear down the walls that pop up in front of us and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this a try, even in the face of fear, yeah, even in the face of rejection, even in the face of all these different obstacles to say, no, what I, what I'm creating, what I'm working on, whatever project it is, is worth doing, even mm-hmm. if it just seems mm-hmm. like it's only worth it to you. It yeah. is worth doing, and so you're going to continue to pursue it. Yes, and I think that that speaks to. I think that that speaks to life, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, not just being creative, but just everything. You some like Mildred was a battering ram. Like she just was the embodiment of one. When I think about the impact that she has had. Um, and how incredible that must have been to see over the course of her lifetime to see changes yeah. in families and and to know that it came from that creative spark, mm-hmm. to know that it came from an idea. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that's something that we can foster in each other. It's something that like we learn as children, right? Uh, I remember watching like Mr. Rogers and stuff and he talks about like things start with ideas and then you try it and if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Try again. Or you, you know, change something about your idea and keep going and keep going and going and going. And there was another speaker there who was a keynote. His name was Dr. Jun Lee Lee. And he spoke about seeing beauty and extraordinary connection in people in what seems like everyday passing moments and how to recognize that and how to see the intricacy 
in in human interaction and in the way that we give and take in our conversations, the way we look at each other, the way that we approach each other and, and just interact with each other and how to find the beauty in that. And I think that that's what we're doing as we go through life. If we want to, if we're creative enough and if we pay attention enough, we can see beautiful, extraordinary things happening and we can be a part of it if we want to be, right? Mm-hmm. And his story was incredible. And if you have never heard of Dr. June Lee, Google him. We'll put his name in the show notes. Um, absolutely incredible story, in- incredible person. Um, and Look up Mildred Winter, too. If you are ever facing a block creatively, just read about these people and the things that they have done with their lives. When everything and everyone told them no, they kept pushing and they kept going. And that's not to say that they never felt discouraged and they never felt like giving up, but they the difference is that they never actually gave up. Their ideas were worth pursuing to them. And I think that that's something that's really important for us to remember as creatives. You may not, you might not found an organization that spreads across the country into, and, and goes international. But your idea is worth creating. Your idea is worth pursuing. Because without it, your life is a little more flat. Your interactions with other people are changed because you didn't relentlessly pursue this creative notion that you had. Mm -hmm. So that's my plug. I think that if you are stuck creatively, read about these people. They had to get creative. Yep. They had to in order to make their ideas work. And they did it. I was just looking up a, a quote I remembered from a long time ago, and as you were talking, it made me think of it. Um, quote from Emile Chartier. Chartier? How's it spelled? C H A R T I E R. Chartier. Emile Chartier. <laughs> I don't want it. Chartier. Nothing is more Chartier. dangerous than an idea when it is the only one you have. Mm. Uh, but the quote for real is nothing is more dangerous than an idea when it is the only one you have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when we truly believe in the idea that we're working towards, mm-hmm. is it worth pursuing regardless yeah. of the setbacks? Yeah. And I think that that's something that, um, that we can all identify with. Yeah. Even if you don't just have one idea. Yeah. You might have more than one. You might have you stacks might have upon stacks. So many ideas that you don't know what to do with them, mm-hmm. and you just keep writing them down and writing them down and writing yep. them down. Time to do something. Mm-hmm. Pick one. It doesn't just matter which one. one. Just, you pick just one pull it out it. of a hat and just do it. This one's for you, Nicholas. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I was going to say, it sounds real personal. Uh, the truth is, though, like the, the pursuit of the idea requires action yeah and it requires moving past the setbacks mm-hmm. finding ways around it mm-hmm. It requires you to be creative while being creative because things yeah. will come up yeah things will get in the way and then you have to think creatively about how you get around it before you can continue the creative endeavor of the idea right the writing the drawing the painting poetry the speaking the podcasting the curriculum the curriculum whatever it is you have to know the idea believe the idea take action and get creative Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i think that well and that was kind of personal but it wasn't just for you it was for me too because sometimes I have ideas and I'm like, oh, I could never. Right? <laughs> Me? I, I would never. I would never. 
No. Well, um, speaking of ideas. Yeah. It is that time of oh, the yeah. episode mm-hmm. where we talk about the things we're going to do. What are we going to do today? Hey, hey, what are we going to do today? Hey, hey, what are we going to do today? I can't wait. Tell me what we're doing today. So, I am going to learn a new skill this week. Is it basket weaving? No, I already know how to do that. Is it? I do underwater basket weaving. What? (laughs) Which is a fancy way for saying that the reeds that you're working with are wet. You have to keep on like dipping them in water. That's all it means. Oh. Not as cool as I imagine. I know, right? You're sitting underwater (laughs) weaving baskets. Snorkeling. (laughs) That's my snorkel sound? I don't know. That would be really funny though. Now I want to try that. <laughs> Somebody get a gro a GoPro <laughs> and a goat bro. <laughs> Somebody get a goat bro with some battling rams. <laughs> and we're on the livestock train tonight. Oh man. Uh that so would what, be what is it? What is this new skill? I'm gonna learn how to properly edit things. Like properly edit a podcast. Oh, okay. I was like edit video? No, well, only if someone wants to teach me. Yeah, with with uh, starting the podcast, <laughs> with starting the, your podcast, the Jumpstart one, yes, you'll have to do some of your own editing. So. Yeah, which Nick has been kind enough to help me out with up to this point. But I'm ready to to just jump in and learn it for myself. Do it. Also, this past week, I got many chances. Well, I shouldn't say many. I got like two chances, which is many for me. <laughs> Nick is, Nick can't handle it. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Whoa, your face is red like a strawberry. <laughs> so many chances. <laughs> so many. So you had two chances. <laughs> I did. I had two chances to sit down and um, sketch and watercolor. I only brought my watercolor book, a pencil, and watercolor stuff, like brushes and, and yep. the paint. You painted? Um, and I painted. And so that's not to say that I couldn't paint every day if I really made the time for it, but to just have time available uninterrupted that doesn't happen very often. So two to three is many. That's many chances for me. Many much. Many much. Many chances. much chances. Well, but I, it was great. I've been learning some new skills this week as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, and just in terms of trying to go through some new tutorials and some different things just to continue to familiarize myself and learn new uh, tasks and things with graphic design and some of my computer skills. Why are you laughing at me now? Why are you laughing? I'm not laughing at you. I'm sorry. I just had a realization. I said, oh, yeah? Ela says that all the time. (laughs) He does. And I just realized that's probably why, because I go, oh, yeah? So. (laughs) Sorry. So, but I've I've been... um, One of the things that I like to do as an educator is also Mm -hmm. be educated. And so I I watch videos, I read books, I uh, do what I can to continue to learn. And Mm -hmm. one of the things, even with programs I feel confident in and and feel like I know really well, is every now and then, um, especially if, uh, if it's been a while since I've looked at any videos or read any blogs about the programs as they update mm-hmm. um, as I'll try to like do a refresher course on some tutorial stuff and even learn new things like, Oh, I didn't know I could create this in illustrator or do this in Photoshop or yeah. what have you. And uh, so I've been doing some of that this week, which has been a lot of fun to just be like, Oh cool. Like I, I knew how to create these things. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was a faster way to do it by with some of these different options, you know, and learning oh, yeah. how software works differently, you know, as mm-hmm. it, and I'm getting older. <laughs> what? I'm getting older. <laughs> and like I know there's going to be a day. Yeah. There will be a day soon if it hasn't already happened where something will come across where like our kids will know about it. And I'll be yeah. like, what is this? Yeah. 
What's an iPhone 37? I have no idea. I will have a lisp <laughs> when I'm older. So, uh, and I, as, as long as I can, I'm going to try and keep up with as much as I can as I continue to learn and create and do different things. So yeah. it's been fun to just kind of refamiliarize myself with some things as well as learn some new things. And uh, it's mm-hmm. been cool. Like I discovered uh, that Adobe, as I've been messing with some of their, their products this week, has an app for the iPad uh, called Adobe Fresco. Oh, okay. And it is awesome. Yeah. It is like Procreate, which is another app for the iPad that I love using to draw in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have this brush called Live Paint, and it's uh, like a wet feature. Yeah. So like when you use your Apple Pencil and you draw the paint on there, it digitally responds like it's wet. And then if you add another color, they like bleed together like watercolors would. That's um, cool. And obviously some of it is still manipulated by algorithms. Sure. Uh, it's not like tr- true watercolor, but it has more of a real watercolor feel than just your standard mm-hmm. translucent watercolor look brush. Yeah. And uh, which is cool. That so is again, cool. just messing with things, learning that, which has been fun. Yeah. As I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, this Saturday is the two mile six month anniversary uh, at 95th and Beverly Metro train station. And mm-hmm. we'll be there from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. I'll be there with some of the Stoke the Wild merch, paintings, things like that, as well as I'll be making coffee and drinks. If you're in the area, come on out to that. It's going to be a lot of fun, live music and some other stuff going on. And it's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So much fun. And you really, really should be there. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Now, don't forget to head us up on the social medias and the emails. That's because right. we're interested in what you're doing. We are interested in holding you accountable and you holding us accountable for the things that you're working on, projects that you have coming up. Yes. And um, new interests and, you know, sort of battering, ramming those ideas that yep. you have. And if you draw a ram battling something, we'll I send you. We'll like it a lot. Likes. We will send you likes. And also a picture of me. With a thumbs up. Hey. Because yeah. that'd be cool. Yeah. So you can find us on social media at Stoke the Wild on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also reach us at StokeTheWild at gmail.com. That is right. You can find me, my personal uh, thing. Handle. Yep. Instagram. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at JM Dirtinger. I forgot what it was called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you can find me with my art at Nick Dirtinger Art on all those things as well. And yeah. it's good. And so check those out. Again, if you've been doing Inktober, 11 days left, stick with it. You can do it. Hit us up if you guys need anything. We love you. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.